wanted to share a couple of testimonies with you this morning as we get started, um, hopefully to encourage you just about uh, the revelation of who Jesus is. Um, Tanya, would you come up? So um, a couple of weeks ago, I I, I did a series on visions and how um, we can um, go beyond the veil and enter into uh, that place with the Father, which is what Jesus died for. The veil was torn, so then we can have access to the Father. So we were talking about visions and how in Acts 2, Peter is talking about that this is our inheritance, not only dreams that are at night, but visions that are during the day, which are basically like day dreaming. And so it's it's getting into the place in your prayer time where the veil just opens up and I mean it's there and you can access the Father and begin to go to the place where you take what is in heaven and you bring it down to the earth. And so I wanted Tanya to testify of of um an encounter that she had in a vision and then I also wanted to share something that happened on our trip. Well, I was so excited when Tracy did that series because right before she did that series, like in my quiet time, I was having a quiet time with Jesus and I felt like he was telling me, he's like, you know what, Tanya, he's like, well, in my quiet time, I had this vision and in the vision, I was in heaven and I was actually like picking vegetables in heaven's garden. And I was like, oh, this is so awesome and great. I was like, I've never seen this vegetable before. It was so exciting. But, you know, so I was picking vegetables in heaven's garden and I was going and I was going to prepare those vegetables for the feast that was happening. And I was completely surprised. And I was like, this is interesting. And I felt like the Lord asked me, he goes, well, Tanya, what did you think heaven was going to be like? And I was like, I don't know, but that was not my thought. And he said, you know what, Tanya, heaven is the place where you will walk fully in who I called you to be. He was like, you will walk fully in that. And he's like, I want you to come. I want you to come to the third heaven, and I want you to come and get who I called you to be so you can actually release that here on earth. He's like, I want you to come up. I want you to receive what I have for you, and I want you to take it back down so you can release it on earth. He's like, because my word says that what has been loosed in heaven, you can loose on earth. And I was like, okay, don't know how to do that, but I'm good. I will do it. (laughs) And so I was like, yay. And then Tracy started this series, and I was like, oh, my God, Jesus, you're so awesome. Because she started the series, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, it was a little bit tough for me because the first thing she had us do was to write our um, our mission for our life. And that took about two weeks, and I was like, okay. And so then she started talking about going up to heaven. And the really interesting thing was is that – she talked about it and I'm not gonna lie I put it off for like a week or so I don't know why I did it like I had my four points I had it on my little sheet you know and I just don't know why I put it off but I did I was like don't know what's happening there but I'm gonna try so then in my quiet time I put the little sheet right next to me and I started with worship and I was like I'm gonna do this had my four points I was ready you know and so I had my four points I was ready I was like I'm starting with worship And then I'm going to, you know, praise. And then I'm going to, you know, and I had everything down. And then I remember the last thing that you told me, because she said that, you know, a lot of times we've been to heaven before, but one of the things that makes a difference is when we get to heaven, that we need to look in the face of Jesus and we need to stare in his face. And she said, and that would make the complete difference than every other time that we've been there before. And so I went and I looked at Jesus and I looked at him in the face and it was so amazing. So amazing. that I kept on thinking, why have I not been here before? 
more? Why am I not like coming up here every single day? And I can honestly say that every time I went, you know, I experienced something different. And I even talked to the Lord about that because, you know, with my personality, Jesus tells me he wants me to come up to the third heaven so I can get something so I can release it down on earth. I was thinking in terms of like military strategists. I'm like, soldier, I've got it. Those are my marching orders. Go down, release. And I was like, got that, Jesus. And so I'm going up there, and that's totally not what's happening. I am having so much fun. It is ridiculous. I'm like, man, this is so much fun. I am enjoying it. But I'm like not really feeling the whole soldier, you know, you know, marching order thing that we got going on here, Jesus. And I remember in one of the quiet times, he asked me, he said, well, Tanya, what did I tell you I wanted you to do? And I said, you told me you wanted me to come up here to receive. And he goes, yes, that's what I want you to do. I want you to come up here and I want you to receive. And I was just totally blown away by that because it was so much different than what I thought. You know, and then even going there, you're like just receiving more more visions for my destiny and receiving healing for my heart and just receiving those things to be able to come here and just walk more fully in my identity in Christ and knowing who he called me to be. And I was like, God, you are so awesome. You know, it's just, it's when you go, I'm telling you when you go, because the thing I think is so interesting about it is like every time I go, I never had the same experience. Like every time I go, I experience something new and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what heaven's like. This is what heaven's like. This is what worshiping you like for eternity. I say, because you're so awesome. Every time I see you, I'm seeing something new. And so I just wanted to say, you know, if you, if you have the notes on Tracy's sermon, or if you haven't actually taken that opportunity to say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go, I'm going to make that kind of leap. I just encourage everyone to do it because I don't like, when I think about it, I don't even know why I waited like a week or two. Like I have my notes. I don't even know why I waited. And you know, even in those time periods where I'm not going every day, I'm still asking myself, why am I not going? I have so much fun when I get there. And then when I leave, I'm so much whole, so much more wholehearted, so much more walking in who he called me to be, so much more the person that he's like, man, Tanya, this is who I created you to be. And that is what I get to release to this earth. All right. Thank you, Tanya. All right. So that's what prayers, prayer is. It's fun. Prayer's not boring. It's fun. Uh, We're called to live an encounter, right? That's who we are, and when we live in encounter, um, we always have our eyes wide open. We have our hearts wide open. We have our spirits wide open, and so I wanted to share that with you um, because um, how many of you know Jason Hooper, right? He's, he's really a precious um, father to our house and, and a dear friend to John and I, and um, recently uh, he was playing basketball and tore his Achilles heel. The thing just, whoop, there it went, it, gone. So he had to go in and he had to have surgery. It was a major surgery. And he said to me, you know, I've never felt so much pain in all my life. I never realized that there could be this much pain associated with it. And so he's been wearing a boot and driving around on a scooter um, as it heals. And the doctors have told him, you know, you have to stay off of it. Well, he had his boot on and um, and he was in his backyard or someplace, I don't know, in around his house. And, um, he stepped on a rock and just that little bit of pressure caused his Achilles heel to pop again. And so he re-injured it. And so he sent out an alert saying, you know, pray for me. I'm just right back where I was. He, he said he felt on the back of his uh, leg that uh, the tendon was gone again. 
and he was just so upset, and, and so he was going to have to go in uh, this next week and have another um, MRI, and those MRIs are really expensive, and, and, you know, they don't have health insurance, and all of this was really going to be a financial burden and just a, a physical burden. And um, uh, so John and I were coming home from Colorado, and I, was, I, I felt just a burden to begin to intercede for him. So I began to pray, and um, in the, this is what I, I heard the Lord say, um, do you want to come and get a new tendon for him? And I'm like, uh, okay. I mean, you know, what do you say, right? And so I thought, well, okay. And the Lord said that in my house, there are many rooms. And I have a room in heaven with all of the spare parts that are needed in the earth. And I need you to come and I need you to get this if you want to do that. And I could feel just the presence of the Holy Spirit. John and Samuel are sleeping in the back and I'm driving and I could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I go into this vision, not kidding you while I'm driving, praise the Lord. And the eyes of my heart were opened to see. And I, this room opened up and there was a woman, and she's standing there, and um, and I've seen this room before, but I've never actually brought anything back with me. And she's standing there, and she said to me, I need to see your ID. <laughs> I'm like, so I show her my ID, and she gives me access to this room. And I, she asked me what I needed, and I told her, I need a, a, a tendon for Jason. And she said, okay, those are over there. And she points like it's a library or something, right? So I'm looking around and I see all of these body parts everywhere. And I go and I see this tendon. Weird. I know it's weird. It's so weird. But anyway, you know, whatever. You know, look at the book of Revelation. Okay. Weird stuff is in heaven. So I grab it and I, so I said, okay, I have it. And so I'm, I've got it in my hand in this, in this vision that's happening. And, and the, then I hear the Lord say, well, you can't just hold it. You got to go give it to him. You got to go put it where it needs to go. And I'm like, okay still feeling the witness and the, just this encounter with the Holy Spirit. So I go to Jason's room. I see in my, in the, the eyes of my heart, I see Jason and he's sitting there in his room. And, um, I take the tendon and I put it on, on his leg. So about an hour, so the, the encounter, the Holy Spirit, uh, lifts the heavy presence of the Lord lifts out of the car. And, um, about an hour later, I texted Jason and I said, Hey, I just wanted you to know that I was praying for you. I was interceding for you about your, um, uh, tendon. And, and he said, you know, Hey, thanks so much. He said, um, uh, actually, um, he said, I feel like I have the assurance from the Lord that he's going to be doing a miracle, a creative miracle. And I said, um, well, actually, um, uh, I just had this encounter and I just wanted to, to let you know, you know, what it was, what it was. And, um, this is what he said. Um, I said, I went to the body parts room and got you a new, um, tendon. <laughs> Amen. Hey, whatever. Fool for Christ. Um, felt tremendous power in, in the whole, um, encounter. And he said, um, 
that's interesting because I actually have no pain and I haven't for, um, a couple hours, I haven't had any pain and it was throbbing and I, I was so miserable. So this is what he said. I just took off my boot to reposition the straps and the tendon was there. I can push and I can pull. Yesterday, there was no tendon. You could push on the back of the leg and there was nothing there. Just now, I checked it out. I could feel the tendon there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He said, I'm telling you, girl, you went and got me an Achilles heel. (laughs) Now, I can't really explain that, but I know that that the Lord told us, he said, this is how I want you to pray. I don't want you to sit there and ask me for what you need. I want you to pray this way, that, that, that there would be um, a reality in the earth as it is in heaven. And God said, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There are whole body parts. There's no poverty in heaven. Everything that you need is in that place. And so I just want to encourage you in your, in your time of prayer that, that, that as we are interceding for people and as we are, um, that we're called to stand in the gap on their behalf so that we can bring the things of heaven to the earth for them. Amen? So I just wanted to share that with you. Isn't that a great testimony? So um, if you didn't have an opportunity to listen to the teaching on um, visions um, and how to access heaven, I I really encourage you to do that. Um, And then begin to do it. Practice the presence of the Lord. Um, So this morning... Uh, let me pray uh, one more time and just ask the Holy Spirit to awaken our, our spirits this morning. I love the rain, and I feel like um, that we love the rain because his voice is like the sound of many waters. And it brings actually a calming to us, and it, it, it makes us feel like we want to go take a nap, doesn't it? Because we feel so relaxed in the presence of the voice of the Lord. And so... Um, this morning, I want to talk about um, the DNA and the seed of Christ. Um, when John and I were in Colorado, we had an opportunity to really spend a lot of time on the mountain. And um, there were so many of them all around us. And uh, when I was sitting up there one day, I was just amazed at what I was looking at. You, you can go no matter where you go uh, on the mountain. There's no, like, professional landscape guy that's been up there. But you find these secret places where God has planted and he has provided the most perfect landscape. And he just used all of his creativity to plant seeds that would grow that really only the birds can see. And we were amazed at the beauty and the wonder and the creativity of our God. And so many times as I was sitting there and I was looking all around me, um, Crested Butte is actually, they call it the capital of wildflowers in um, Colorado. They said there's no other place in Colorado where the wildflowers grow so abundantly and so tall. So we would be hiking and there would be a a very small trail and the wildflowers were this tall. So, and they're 
full. They're full. They're, they're every color of the rainbow, and they are so bright and beautiful. And, and, and the way that they grow in such abundance, I, I mean, we're just, I mean, I'm practically weeping at the goodness of God. So um, I'm sitting there, and uh, I'm looking at all of this, and I'm alone on a rock, this jetting out over this valley and these mountains and these, I can hear streams that are, they're flowing. And the Lord began to talk to me about the seed that's in the ground and these seeds and how I I had this understanding that the seeds that I'm looking at that had sprung forth, that within a couple of months, it begins to snow. All of these flowers are going to go back into the ground. And then when spring comes again, all of those seeds are going to burst forth once again. And the Lord said to me, I want you, uh, he began to show me uh, the revelation and, and what to share with you today. Um, I want you to share about my seed and how my seed remains from generation to generation. And um, so I wanted to talk to you about this this morning, just about the 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 DNA of the seed of Christ. So, Father, I ask that you would give us revelation that our hearts would be fully open, that the eyes of our hearts, that the ears of our hearts would be alive, God, so we can hear and see what it is that you're trying to say. Um, One of the things that has so struck me about the day and the hour that we're living in is the abundance of revelation of Jesus. I mean, not only do we have the word of God, in so many different versions. But we have so many books that have been written today from prophets, um, from apostles that are in the land who God has personally um, revealed himself to in, in such a great and powerful way. Truly, these things have been given to us in the last hour of human history so that the human hearts and the human spirits could fully come alive with the understanding of the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that we will do great exploits in this hour. As it gets darker, we will increasingly become brighter. And we don't increasingly become brighter just because. We increasingly become brighter because the seed or the word of God and the revelation of this word that is alive, it begins to shine brighter in us. Amen? The word says that the gift of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So when you prophesy or receive prophecy, it is the spirit testifying of the sun through your life. You know, it's interesting because we get so um, worked up about the actions of the, um, the gifts of the Spirit that we actually miss the person of the Holy Spirit. We actually miss a lot of who the Word is because the Word is alive and the Word is a man. And, and he is living today. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Agreed? 
God is presenting the spirit of Christ unto the testimony of Jesus and all the scriptures that have been written, all of the scriptures from the very beginning to the end is to reveal Jesus to us. Jesus is in the Old Testament. Jesus is in the New Testament. And this word was given to us not to contain the word, not to contain Jesus, but to reveal Jesus to us. What was the question that that Jesus asked of the disciples? He said, listen, I want to know personally, because this is a personal um, revelation. I want to know who you say that I am. And it was Peter that had the revelation. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, interesting words that he used there because he said, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. Christ means anointed one. You are the anointed one. You are son of the living God, of the living word. You are the living word. You are alive and the word remains. The word is alive. It was alive yesterday when the Old Testament was being written. It was alive when the New Testament was being written. And it is alive today in you. So the seed of Christ came when you got born again. There was a seed that was planted in you. And that seed is the word. And the word is is going to have its way in you. And I want to, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, The scriptures themselves are a testimony of this living word. And the scriptures are pointing to many things. But first and foremost, the scriptures are pointing to a man. When I... When I used to read the Bible before I, ha- before I got filled with the Holy Spirit and, and born again, I actually used to, I didn't really read it because I couldn't, because it was so boring to me. I, I thought, you know, who would ever read a bunch of old stories that don't even make any sense? How many of you, I mean, that's, that's it, right? How many of you did that? You read the Bible and you're like, whew! Somebody kill me now because I'm dying of boredom. Who would ever do this, you know? But, but, but when I got born again and, and, and I, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, my eyes were opened and I actually began to see Jesus in the Holy Scriptures. And as I began to read the word, the word actually began to be part of me and the seed that was planted began to grow. You see, the person must be revealed. The person of Jesus Christ must be revealed through you. Paul said in Galatians that it was the revelation of Jesus Christ that separated him from his mother's womb. It separated him from his mother's womb. This word and the seed and the revelation of who Christ was, it was actually the very thing that caused him to go from a natural state into a spiritual state where he became alive as the word is alive. Luke 8, 11 tells us that Jesus said that the seed that he so often refers to in the parables when he talks about the kingdom, you notice how he talks about the seed over and over and over. And it's really where he camps out in, in, in the um, gospels. He's camping out. When he begins to describe the kingdom, he's, begin, he's talking about the seed. And it's like, dude, 
You're not talking to a bunch of farmers, okay? Well, actually, he was talking to a bunch of farmers, a bunch of fishermen. But um, he over and over talks about the seed because he so wants to make a point about the, the, the correlation between the word and the kingdom. About the about how the life in the word actually has a life. The word of God has a life and it has a life in you. So we need to get a life. <laughs> We're also told that the word of God is Jesus who was in the beginning with the father. And he's the one that was actually creating everything that we see. So the word in the God was in the beginning, right? The word was in the beginning. The word was Jesus. And as the God was speaking the earth into creation, he was doing it with what? The word. So Jesus is that creative word that was being spoken. And it is, um, and, and as he lives in us, it is that living water and that living word, because guess what? Who is still speaking? Jesus is still speaking today. So as we were hiking and, um, and looking at all of these seeds, um, I, I was just so impacted by the beauty of um, the life of the seed. And um, so I want you to turn in your Bibles to um, Hebrews. I know, I'm in Hebrews again. I cannot get out of this book. It's my favorite book. It is my favorite book in the Bible. So weird. We don't know who wrote it. All right. Hebrews. um, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not Hebrews. We're going to Hebrews later. Forgive me. First Peter. First Peter one. It's at the back after Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. All right, 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Say that word, which lives and abides forever. Uh, Verse 24, because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord endures forever. So as I'm looking at these flowers and I'm understanding that these flowers are about to pass away, the thing that doesn't pass away is the seed. That even though it's going to snow, even though it's going to freeze, those flowers are going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. And this week as I was reflecting on all of this, I found out that Robin Williams passed away, that he died. And so in honor of him, um, I wanted to watch one of his movies. And my favorite movie that he made was uh, Dead Poet Society. How many of you have seen it? Wasn't it an amazing film? And as I was watching it, I still am, am, am camped out on the revelation of the word of God and the seed of God. 
And I'm watching him, and I wanted to quote you something that he said because it so struck me um, when he was talking. He first comes in, and he meets his students, and here they are. They're in this parochial um, boarding school, and, um, and they've all been taught in a very linear way, and they've all been taught in a very structured environment. And he breaks in with creativity and a breath of fresh air, and he begins to challenge them about today he begins to challenge them about their lives and um so i wanted to read to you some of what he said he said this we are food for worms lads and he said believe it or not each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing turn cold and die and that so struck me, and he began to tell them the rallying cry of, of their hearts is carpe diem, and, um, which means seize the day. It actually um, technically means pluck the day, and um, they're referring back to a uh, Roman poet called Horace, um, many of you may know of him that um, was uh, that wrote a poem in 65 BC, and it says, "Scale back your long hopes to a short period. While we speak, time is envious and is running away from us. Seize the day, trusting little in the future." And he quotes, um, and and in the movie, Robin William quotes a poet named Robert Herrick that says this, gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a-flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. And it just so gripped me as I was thinking about this, not only in terms of, of what it was that I felt like the Lord was talking about, the seed, but also just about our own, our own lives. And, and how we purpose ourselves to live for today. And it, and it, and it hit me, and I was reminded of, of uh, one of my favorite French philosophers, um, uh, Blaise Pascal. Um, and he actually wrote a lot about the human condition of, of uh, looking back and looking forward, but never truly living in the present. And as I was looking at these flowers and how easy it was for them to spring forth and gaze at the sun, they weren't worried about their seed form or they weren't worried about yesterday and they weren't really concerned about tomorrow, but they were fully alive in the present. And because of that, they were continuing to flower. Uh, there's also another... Um, uh, quote that I remember, I can't remember who said it, um, but he said that the human beings are the only species on the earth that can, that can um, hamper their own flowering. And I, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm pondering all of this, and I'm reminded of the two thieves that were beside Jesus on the cross. One was the thief of yesterday, and the other was the thief of tomorrow. 
that we look back and we spend a lot of our time looking back at all of the things that we've done wrong and all of the things that have happened to us. And involved in that is the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and it consumes us. And we're filled with with shame and and, and self-condemnation and self-hatred. And then on the other side, there's the thief of tomorrow that's stealing from the, the word and the seed that's in us today, which is filled with fear because I don't know what's gonna happen. And and because of this reality in us, we're actually we're never really living. And, and this is what this is what Blaise Pascal says. Let each one examine his thoughts, and he will find them all occupied with the past and the future. We scarcely ever think of the present, and if we think of it, it is only to take light from it to arrange the future. The present is never our end. The past and the present are a means, and the future alone is our end. So, in fact, we never truly live, but we hope to live. And as we are always preparing to be happy, it is inevitable that we will miss it, and never so will we be. Because the truth is that as, as what, we, what we have a tendency to do is we actually miss what the word of God is doing in us today because the word of God is active and it's busy producing something. And so we'll, we'll, we'll spend our lives looking at everything that God is not doing and we actually miss everything that God is doing. Because in the today, what we have is is children that are laughing and a sun that is shining and rain that is watering the grass. We have flowers that are blooming and streams that are running and love that is happening. And so to look at those things and truly allow ourselves to come alive in what the word of God is doing in us and through us actually causes all of us to come alive. All right, now, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 11. Y'all doing good? And so we look at Hebrews 11, and we look at all of the whole long list of all of the elders and everything that they did. And he, he's talking about the faith that um, they, these guys were walking in. And, and, and he said, listen, now um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which were... The, which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. And so he's like, hey, these guys actually were faithful with the seed or the word that was in them for their entire lives. So the the word of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus was planted in them. And because they believed the word more than they believed the things that they saw, they were actually now considered to be the fathers of the faith. And, and, and because of that, from generation to generation, that seed 
Even though that person died, the seed remained. And so from generation to generation, like, like a baton that's passed from, from, from every generation, the seed actually got passed, and Jesus was able to come through the seed. He came through the seed of David, right? And so uh, for us, we live that same way. And so we have a seed in us, and even though you and I are going to die, what is going to remain is the seed that is in us or the word word of God. And then that word is going to go to the next generation. That's why the word says that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, because what uh, the word says in Hebrews here, turn to um, uh, uh, chapter 12, verse one, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's saying, listen, all of the saints from all of time, that's why this last generation that is on the earth is going to be so incredibly powerful because the seed and the word of God that was in every saint and promise that was not fulfilled actually gets fulfilled in you. That's why we have to look at today and we cannot get torn down that because he, he actually gives us a recipe here and he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay aside every weight Every weight, that means you got to lay aside yesterday and the shoulda, woulda, couldas, and you can't let that get you down. You can't be looking at that, and you can't get all gripped with fear about what's going to happen tomorrow. Okay, you have to live in today. In fact, he even says in Hebrews, oh, let me see, where is it, where is it? He says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. Again, he designates a certain day saying in David. It didn't say saying to David. It said saying in David. He's speaking to that word that is in David. And he's saying today, after such a long time as as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, the word of God, the living word of God, today, the living word of God is speaking and he is saying, pay attention because you are about to apprehend the words that have been spoken for generations. And these things are going to be Begin to be fulfilled through your life. And he said, do not harden your hearts, meaning listen to me and do what I'm telling you to do. Amen. And he says this, two things. Don't let yesterday and tomorrow weigh you down. Don't let it weigh you down. And the other thing he says is don't let sin ensnare us. You know, um, we've been given grace, right? But it's not grace to sin. It's grace to grow out of our sin. It's grace and the power not to sin. It's grace to continue to grow in in life and, and, and that the seed would continue to grow. What I, I really felt like even watching um, Dead Poets Society is um, just understanding the truth that we really need to live in today. Honestly, today is all you have. 
And as I was, um, John and I, as we were climbing mountains and, and doing all of these things, some of us have a tendency to get stuck in a routine, you know. And we take for granted the day that we've been given, you know, and we kind of let that day pass us by. But when you let so many days pass you by, you look up and you've realized that you've actually let years pass you by, you know, and, and, and we're forgetting to truly live. If we were the joy that was set before him, then shouldn't we be really living in today? Shouldn't we really be seizing the day? And letting the word truly have its way in our lives. And so like those flowers that bloom. You know, even though the seed may go down into the ground for a season. It's going to bloom tomorrow. It's going to continue to bloom. Because the word of God remains. And it is the only thing that remains. And so I just want to pray over us that um, for those that spend a lot of your time looking at everything that God's not doing instead of everything that he is, I just want to release and break that off of you. So we're just going to let the Holy Spirit, Jared, would you come up? As Jared worships over us, I really want you to think about what it means for you personally to begin to seize the day that you would live a life of carpe diem, that you would live and make a commitment. I want to live an exceptional life every day. I don't want an opportunity to pass me by. You know, a lot of us are waiting for breakthrough, and we're waiting for God to break through on our behalf. And the Lord is talking to us and saying, you're waiting on me, but I'm really waiting on you. You need to seize the day and seize the word and begin to get out of your comfort zone. What can you do today like they were doing in this movie? What can you do today that's different? What can you do today to begin to create that thing and partner with God in the things that he was saying? What kind of creative thing can you do? Let me tell you what I've started doing. I'm not an artist by any means, but I've started journaling through art. And it's something that's causing other parts of my, of my spirit to come alive. It's not in my gift box, but some of the stuff that I'm coming up with is not bad. Thank the Lord. John, singing to homeless men. You know, sometimes you have to get out of your, of your just comfort zone so that you can begin to exercise muscles that have grown and become atrophied from not being used. You know, there's a thing called muscle memory. You know about that? Well, your spirit has memory. And when you're in just your routine and you keep doing the same things as you did yesterday and expecting different results, what happens is that you're actually not building muscle anymore. You're just exercising the same way as you always have. But when you do muscle confusion, it's actually causing you 
to really come alive in the spirit because you're beginning to exercise other muscles and all of that new exercise is affecting the rest of your body, the rest of your spirit. I mean, it's a principle that works in the spirit too. So I want to challenge you today that while it's today, I want you to think about what you can do to get yourself out of the box of Christianity and begin to really do something different. I encourage you, if you've never preached in the, on the street, if you've never prayed for someone to get healed, if you've never prophesied to anyone, step out. Step out. Come with us on our outreach. I'm going. Why? Because I have to get myself out of my comfort zone. I have to push myself because if I don't stretch that muscle, then how is fire going to come to the gospel that I'm trying to preach? If I just sit in these four walls and I talk to you about the gospel, how am I even being um, authentic? Because if I'm not doing it, how can I ask you to do it? Every one of us, get out of it, get out of it. Because carpe diem is for today. That, that we are called as the body of Christ to seize every day because Jesus is worthy of that kind of activity. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's stand. Well, Father, I ask that right now you would begin to um, light a fire under us, God. That we would not be satisfied with the word of yesterday, God. But we would feel that unction to get out of our comfort zones and get out of that Christian box. Father, that we would step out and begin to exercise our muscles in a new way, Father. I pray for everyone here, God. I pray for an, an, an ignition in their hearts and in their spirits, Father. I pray, Father, that it work. They would begin to start doing something different. They would begin to break out of the mold of every day and begin to say, I have today, and today I'm going to live it like it's my last day. Today I'm going to begin to lay hold of the promises of God. I'm going to step out of that place where I've grown cold, I've grown lukewarm, and I'm going to begin to do something different. And so, Father, just release that right now. Release that reality. If you need prayer, I just want you to come up. I want to lay hands on you. I just believe that right now God is saying it is time for the body of Christ to begin to stand up and begin to apprehend who I've called them to be in this hour. And I just thank you, Father, for it. I thank you, Father, that we are not orphans, Father, but we are sons of the living God. And we have the seed of Christ in us, God. And that it remains and it grows and it remains, and it grows, and it's forever increasing in us. Just come up this morning if you need prayer. But I encourage the rest of you. I really want you to pray about this. Even if it's just the your prayer life, the visions, the dreams that you have, just begin to lay hold of these things. Lay hold of heaven. Lay hold of the earth. It is your inheritance in Christ. Don't get to heaven at the end of your life and have left so much undone. So I just thank you, Father, that I'm staring at a whole room full of adventurers. I'm staring at a whole group of people who are filled with the glory of the Lord and that you're increasing your seed and your word in them, God. I just bless you. I bless you. Have a wonderful day and do something today that you've never done before. In Jesus' name, amen.